Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What's going on, everybody? Jason Wright here, bringing you episode number 105. And I did something cool yesterday. I actually started a mini-series within this same podcast. And it's called the Full Access Project. And what it is, is it's me with uh, my iPhone and earbuds. No fancy mic, no editing, no guests. Um, just completely raw, real stuff. And what I wanted to do was document the journey of my entrepreneurship uh, from this point, at least through the end of the year. And just kind of many episodes, 10 minutes or less, kind of sprinkle them in throughout the week. To compliment shows like this one, which is the more polished show with the guests, that type of thing. So check that out. Um, the one yesterday was under nine minutes, so pretty quick. And it's real, real raw, but it's kind of cool. So check that out. Um, today we've got a great guest, as we usually do. And uh, her name is uh, Flavia Barris. And she kind of got me thinking about some, uh, some cool things. And what I want to talk to you about before we get into that today is part-time entrepreneurship and side hustles. You know, a lot of people start this way, and I'm a big fan of it. Uh, about two and a half years ago, I would have told you that go big or go home. And, uh, you know, I tried to jump in full-time entrepreneurship and uh, nearly lost everything I had. I mean, I failed pretty bad. It's pretty bad failure. But out of that, I learned that it's, it's smart to get um, income flowing before making that move and actually pursue something you enjoy and that you're good at. So, Things I understand now out of that, but um, anybody listening, I mean, if you if you want to get something going on the side, whether it's just to keep yourself sane, generate some extra income, uh, it's not real hard to do. You know, if you work uh, 40 or even 50 hours a week for somebody else, you still have a lot of time. You still have at least double that, um, you know, available in your week. I mean, you could work a second full-time job for yourself if you wanted to. Um, that's actually what I do now, so between the two businesses and the, the day job, so Think about that. Um, even if you have an hour a day to contribute to something, I mean, there's definitely a lot of great opportunities out there, especially with the the internet. So, I would encourage you strongly to check that out and see what happens for you. All right. So, told you a little bit about the guest today. Um, she's got a great story. Um, she has some great success with what she's doing, and and we get into that that part time or that side hustle focus a little bit because what everybody thinks about when they think of entrepreneurship is um, control over their time and freedom to do what they want to do. Nobody wants to work 70 or 80 hours a week the rest of their life, whether it's for somebody else or themselves. That's just not fun. So I don't think it's sustainable for years and years and years. It'll just wear you out. So let's check out the conversation that I had with Flavia and uh, see what you guys think. What is happening, everybody? I've got another awesome guest with me this week. I've got Flavia Burris with me. Let me tell you what I know about her. She is also a podcast host. Her podcast is called the Lifestyle Solopreneur Podcast. She's a marketing expert. She is the founder of several online academies and an attorney. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Jason. It's great to be here. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. I wanted to mention this, and I missed it, so I'm going to mention it now. She has also been featured in BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, Fox News, and more. If I had been featured those places, I would want people to know, so I had to throw that in there for you. Oh, well, thanks. But, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd be here on your show any day. I mean, that is uh, actually a lot more fun. Awesome. So you have an interesting story, very interesting story. I would love it if you would share it with me now so the audience could check it out. Sure. Well, there's a lot of people, I think, that fit my category of a uh, recovering workaholic. And it's it's natural to do that when you first go into the workforce and to get your first full-time job and to just apply yourself and work, work, work. And I did do that for many years. I did that as an attorney. And right before I got to the point of burnout, I actually had something happen in my family where I had to stay in a hospital for about a month. I had a my daughter was born two months early. She was a preemie, was living in the NICU. We were there every day with her. And during that time, all of my attorney income sort of dried up because I was paid by the hour. But the money that I had sort of uh, been earning online and in a more passive way kept coming in. So after my family's crisis was averted and everyone was happy at home and my daughter was healthy and with us, I sort of decided to devote myself to being more of a solopreneur and less of someone that works, you know, by the hour because it just, it's a much better lifestyle in the long run. So I love helping solopreneurs either as an attorney or um, even just as a mentor um, to help build up their businesses. What an interesting skill set you have. It's got to be kind of fun because you get a, you get to do things kind of in, in different areas. You know, you're not just in, in one niche so heavily that there's no variety to it, you know? I do love that. And I mean, it's not for everybody. I think some people love finding their sort of daily grind that's fun and exciting. And it's sort of the same every day and they find um, enjoyment in that. But for me, I really love it that no day in the last month has been a replica of, you know, a different day in the last month. It's all been different. Uh, I've, I'm heavily into real estate, not just investing, but helping people buy and sell real estate and anyone out there who's worked in real estate or, uh, you know, is maybe an agent or a former agent, you know what I mean? Every single day is different. You might be in different neighborhoods, different type of client, different, you know, looking at a condo one day and then these huge houses the next day. And I love that. Plus, you know, you never know when you're an attorney, what your client's going to call you with next. I mean, they call you up. They're like, you're never going to believe the letter I got in the mail. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with that and helping them out. So yes, variety for me is a spice of life and I get plenty of it. Awesome. So in the real estate world, what do you prefer? Do you like the buying and selling homes or do you like the investing side? You know, sometimes you can kind of almost merge the two, but my career as a big law firm attorney for those workaholic years was in commercial real estate. So I would help people buy and sell or lease either office buildings, um, apartment complexes, uh, vacant land that they were going to develop, anything like that. So for me, there's still that passion and love for real estate investing at that level because it was just very interesting to me. I did some land use work, which is where you help people either get or fight over uh, approvals for development. So for me, I have a love there, but when I do real estate brokerage, because I do also own and operate a brokerage with you know several agents working in my uh, brokerage, we do 
homes. So it's all residences. And I mean, it's onesie twosie. You work really closely with people. You get to know them, um, their needs as people. So I think I get the best of both worlds, get to work with big companies for these big transactions. But then I also connect with people and help them find their dream home. So for me, I really can't pick a favorite. It's like asking me to pick between kids. So I think I'll just tell you it's 50-50 commercial real estate and residential. I feel like this is the right time for me to admit this on the air, but I've got a son and a daughter, and I actually have a favorite. I always <gasps> tell don't li- I hope they don't listen here. Oh, but- they'll listen. I always tell my son <laughs> he's my favorite son, and I tell my daughter she's uh-huh. my favorite daughter. Oh, so they're diplomatic. both they're yes. both favorites at the same time, and they seem overjoyed and really confused at the same time. So. <laughs> That works. That works for me. I like that one. I'll say, hey, favorite. And they'll both turn around and I'll be like, you, not you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm hearing a lot of income streams uh, for you, which is great. I love that because if if something for some reason were to uh, kind of fall apart or the bottom falls out, you've you've got other things to keep you rolling. Uh, Do you mind me asking what what you were doing when you were in the hospital that was generating passive income for you? I'm just really always really curious about streams that people may hear that may give them ideas to help them, you know? Of course. So I'm in the hospital and uh, anyone who is on your, you know, listening, who's ever had someone in the hospital, a loved one, whether they were in a car accident, for me, it was a baby born early. You are not thinking about, I mean, the world just stops, right? It might as well not be there. Your entire life is consumed with that hospital bed or that hospital room. So I really did pretty much zero work for that time. Everything I had on my plate got immediately delegated out to other people, but I still made an income while I was in that environment because I had set up diversification of income streams prior to any of this happening. And I'm so glad I did. Although at that time it was sort of, you know, side gigs and businesses I had started, but they weren't super serious, but coming through that, I realized I need to do more of that and less of sort of selling my soul to corporate America. Right. And I had written books. So I had royalty income. I had developed courses that were taken online so people could sign up for different courses. I I have a dance background. So I had actually produced some dance fitness videos And those are called Pom Pom Fitness because it's cheerleading style dance. And so I sold those online. People could sort of purchase the classes to take it home in the privacy of their own living room. And um, I also teach landlording. So I'd taken a landlording class, you know, real estate, property management, do-it-yourself landlording that I had been teaching at the local college here in San Diego. And I just put it online. So I took all my material that I taught to live seminar students put it online. And that was something else that people could sign up for and learn remotely. They could just learn from their living room. And, um, so all of those things combined, you know, the book royalties, the online class tuition fees that, you know, people would sign up without ever having met me. Um, and I also had real estate investments. So I had several rental properties and those were pretty much, you know, I self-managed, but uh, anyone who's been a landlord knows that a lot of times weeks will go by, you won't hear anything from your tenants. So that's also relatively passive. If you pick your tenants right, you maintain your properties and you do it the right way. So during, you know, that month in the hospital, all of that covered all my bills. I mean, there wasn't an issue with money and that's why for everyone out there, 
I encourage you to diversify your income. So if you're ever in a situation where one of your sources of income dries up for whatever reason, maybe it could be a layoff. It's not necessarily that you have to you know, worry about being in the hospital. It could be something as simple as a layoff. You have to move. Um, the company you're working for folds. Uh, it's nice to have other places where you're going to earn enough to sustain you. Mm-hmm. Magnificent. That's really, there's a lot of really good stuff there in what you just said. So very, very nice. Hats off to you. You're doing a lot of things really well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about lifestyle entrepreneurship. So for me, as a recovering, let's say it again, the recovering workaholics, anyone out there, <laughs> raise your hand. You know you're out there. You know it. Um, you know, it's being someone who gives your all to your employer and works hard and you know commits yourself and devotes yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's sort of a time and a place for it. And coming right out of college or right after you get maybe a graduate degree or some sort of vocational training, you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and it's okay if you don't have, you know, a big family yet, nobody's um, needing your time to sort of devote yourself to your new vocation. It's fine. And I did it and I enjoyed it while I did it. But at some point you will have other things that maybe you have them already that will pull you away from work. And for me, it was family, not just when I had my own you know, daughter, but my sister, my mom, you know, I'm very close to my family. Um, so I wanted to spend as much time with them as possible. And when you're working 80 hour weeks, 90 hour weeks, it's just not possible. So I am a big believer in looking at your lifestyle first, deciding what you want that to look like, and then designing your job, your profession, your sources of income, all of that to complement this vision that you have of what your life should look like. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm part, I'm Latin. I'm, I was born in South America in Argentina. Actually, we moved to the United States when I was about seven. So I think some of that sort of Latin way of life stuck with me, even though I pretty much grew up in California because I really believe in going out to dinner with friends and having it stretch out with three hours, you know, <laughs> with a coffee at the end and everything and just being very social and enjoying things and taking the time to look around and, um, just enjoy things. Mm -hmm. You know, last night, my uh, six-year-old daughter and I went and played nine holes of golf. And here's what's really sad about that. I live on a golf course and it's the first time I've played this year. Oh no. Yeah. There's no excuse for that really. There isn't. <laughs> I mean, I could literally just walk out there and tee off right now. So I like what you said because you, it doesn't matter how much you want to work. And it's really easy, especially if you're passionate about what you're doing, it's really easy to slip into that Oh man, it's I've been working 18 hours a day. How'd that happen? You know, it's it's a different feeling than oh man, it's it's painful, but either way, you're spending time away from like you said your family, your friends, things you love. So that balance is uh, I'm realizing more and more in the last few months it's so important. It's critical otherwise you will get burned out, you know. Right. No, it is. And uh it's up to us because other people will have make demands on your time. So you have to sort of be intentional and decide well, what do I really want to do this week with my time? How much of it do I want to devote to working? How much of it to future projects versus, you know, maintenance of ongoing projects? How much time do I want with my family? How much time do I want for self-care? When do I want to work out? When do I want to just completely chill out and sit in a hammock or sit at the beach or just do something very um, low 
low output of energy where you just kind of soak in energy. Mm-hmm. It's important to decide ahead of time because trust me, it's not like those things just sort of happen to you. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have to make sure you get them done. Let me ask you this. Is there any way, if I was a recruiter, is there any way I could coax you back into that corporate life right now? No. And I'll tell you, I can say that with certainty because I get recruiter emails and phone calls about once or twice a day. I'm Holy I in, smokes. I do. I worked in real estate, which uh, as you know, in about uh, 2008, 2009, we hit the big real estate recession. So most real estate attorneys got either laid off or diverted into other areas of law, like tax or corporate or you know, international business, something else, right? Because they weren't really needed. There was no work to go around in real estate. Um, out of my department, I was the only junior associate really left at the end of all the layoffs and what was happening back then. So you have in the military, if anyone listening is in the military, you know what that T-notch is? A T-notch means there's like a T-shaped missing chunk of people at a certain pay grade or a certain experience level. So there are very, you know, few mid-level, you know, I'm 10 years in real estate attorneys who are just at my level and we're sought after because we've had 10 years of experience or thereabouts. And so we know how to run deals and do things, but um, we're not yet at this, you know, senior partner level where you're not going to hop firms. So I get recruiter calls a lot and I, I tell all of them, no, thank you. I am very happy where I am. Very happy. So I won't go back. The siren <laughs> I call, love it. <laughs> you know, the siren call every day and they offer a lot of money. And I said, no, that's, it's actually not worth uh, making any changes. It's uh, you got to admit though, it's nice to be wanted. It's nice to be wanted, but yep. it's even nicer to be with my family. Absolutely. Really. Absolutely. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about some of, in your opinion, the best options available for lucrative part-time work. And we'll define that as less than 25 hours a week. Well, I love that you said 25 hours a week because, for example, on my podcast, one of the guest criteria is that people work on average 25 hours a week or less total um, and and that they make a full-time equivalent income doing it. So I, I've had so many guests on, so I can pass on not just what I believe, but also from stories and anecdotal evidence that there's so much out there available for people that really want to have a life that has room for everything and not just work. And online is the new main street. It really is. I mean, when I think back even to when I was just starting out at law, so that was 2007, which isn't really that long ago, right? Right now it's 2017 when we're recording this podcast episode, so 10 years. There's already been a huge shift in how easy it is for somebody to get their business online or to set up an online store or to use social media as this free marketing source, which you didn't really have before. The costs of starting and doing business are minimal. I know people sometimes complain like, I don't want to pay $200 for a hosting package. And why do I have to pay this? Why do I have to pay that? And, um, and I'm an attorney. So I work with people when they're saying, well, I want to form an LLC and they kind of balk at some of the formation fees and depending where you live, it could be a couple hundred bucks, but they're just like, Oh, I didn't realize it cost so much money to start a business. And I just want to facepalm because Back in the day, if you wanted to start a little teeny shop, you had to sign a three or a five-year lease with a 
huge deposit up front. You had to get a bank loan. You ha- I mean, we were talking six figures or, you know, half of that or thereabouts to start even just a modest business. And nowadays you can go to like shopify.com and sign up for your own fancy online store that takes credit cards that does everything that used to be so hard to do, um, for like $25 a month or something, you know, just, it's so attainable. So for anyone that feels limited and what might be out there, don't, because it's, it's not as expensive as you might imagine to do something that can really grow. And the other thing is be creative, but don't feel that you have to be so creative that you have to come up with something new to be successful. You can go in there and compete with established businesses doing exactly what you're going to start doing. There's room for everybody. I mean, you'll differentiate yourself or you'll be better in some important way. Um, so you don't have to feel this anxiety about coming up with something, you know, that's, that it's a better mousetrap. It could just be another mousetrap that is just different and unique and people will be drawn to for its own uniqueness. Absolutely. So my question about less than 25 hours, you could tell I did my homework, couldn't you? Yes. Okay. So that wasn't <laughs> for all your guests. That was tailored for me, which makes sense. That Correct. Was, thank you. Yeah. yeah thank I, you it, once upon a time, I used to use a uh, kind of a standard interview thing and, you know, some of my backgrounds in HR. And I was like, I have no interest in that. I use a, a standard format, but it's definitely tailored for every guest. That's fantastic. I told That's you. a great way to do it. I told you before the show, this would be all about you and familiar to you. I love it. So we, um, coming back to just with two more things, I don't want people to think that online business is the only thing they can do as a part-time, very successful thing. There are people who just coach others either in the fitness world, in the nutrition world, uh, motivational coaching, organizational coaching. You can go and help people organize their homes and actually get paid as a consultant much higher than you might at your day job you know, per hour so that you can work 25 hours a week but make what you used to make working 40 hours a week. I got a question for you about that uh, fitness coaching, if you don't mind. So sure. I've got a good buddy that does that. What, what what are some of the hourly rates you're hearing for that industry specifically? Has anything come to mind? Because I, I tell him he's way too cheap, but he doesn't believe me. How much is he charging uh, for one-on-one sessions? Yeah, like under a hundred bucks an hour. You know, it, under a hundred bucks an hour is maybe eighty to a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, I mean, I live in Southern California, so of course everything is regional as well. Sure. But the beauty of being online, let's say you were going to do fitness coaching via Skype or Google Hangout or Zoom, you can, as a fitness coach, you might live in California but be coaching somebody in Kentucky, right? They just they wake up. everyone calculates the time difference correctly and you log in and, Hey, Hey coach. Hey, all right. I see you in your living room, ready to go. Let's go. Let's do this. And you can get guidance that way online. It's it's really neat what's out there and what's happening right now. You can even have uh, therapy appointments online. Now used to have to drive to a therapist's office and, you know, maybe have stigma of like walking into an office that says therapy above it. But now you can actually just log in online and talk to a, a therapist that way. You can do so many things. I think your friend, you know, should consider having two tiers. There can be private one-on-one coaching, and that should definitely be three figures an hour. And then can have small group 
group fitness coaching where on Zoom or Google Hangout or anything where you can have split screen among many participants, there can actually be group workout sessions a few times a week or, you know, there could be a schedule. People can sign up for that. And maybe for people that couldn't afford the three figure an hour one-on-one, they can afford to, you know, log in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 6 a.m. and join a group of 10 motivated people where you're all working out via video cam online together and there's accountability there. And maybe that per person is $20, $30, something the person can afford easier. But also when you add it up, your friend is going to uh, profit more per hour. I like that. Thank you very much. Um, I'd love to get kind of shifting gears yet again, because you have so many uh, areas that you're good in. I'd love to get three critical marketing tips for an online startup. So I see this all the time. I work with people with Facebook marketing and stuff, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, what three tips would you offer for marketing for a new startup? Sure. Well, I think it kind of, well, it would depend on what area your startup is in. Because if you're, if you're really truly working one-on-one face-to-face with people, I think something that is overlooked a lot is picking up the phone and actually calling your own network of people and asking for referrals and connections and chatting with them about what are they working on right now? And then of course they're going to ask you, well, what are you working on? You're like, well, you know, I'm starting this coaching business. I'm doing fitness coaching online. Um, and I just, I'm looking for my first set of beta students who really want to lose, you know, 20 pounds in the next six months. So I can take them through this online fitness training and getting on the phone and talking one-on-one. It's a lost art. I mean, people nowadays, you text, you And your friends want to hear from you. They do. They probably don't hear from you enough. And especially if you lead into the conversation, asking them what they're working on and what you can do to help them and who they need to be connected to. It's really symbiotic and not many people take advantage of that. It's something that's big in the real estate world. Um, So real estate agents already do that or they should, but a lot of Other startups in other fields immediately think I'm just going to pump hundreds of dollars into Facebook ads or, you know, do something that's sort of faceless or um, even, you know, take out ads in newspapers, but they don't pick up the phone and at least make five phone calls a day. And that's something they can try. So that's my first tip. All right. Um, Do you have, do you have more tips for us? Sure. So other than utilizing actual voice phone calls, I would And I know you've already on your show, you talk probably a lot about social media and all the modern marketing techniques. So I think we'll go back to one that um, it's people get hung up on having the perfect website and they spend a lot of time, money and energy and effort and um, sort of feel like they can't really launch their business until their web presence is amazing. And I think that trips people up and It's great to have an amazing website. I think it is absolutely not necessary. If you need to get your business launched fast because you need to start bringing the income in and you need to just get yourself out there, don't waste time building this deep, amazing website. A one-page website at the beginning is fine. And then hit the phones and then get clients and get cash flow because until you're starting to make money in your business, you're going to feel that siren call of your nine-to-five job or the pressures of bills and that sort of thing. So I say focus on income producing rather than spending too much time on your website and your brochures and your presence and even too much time on your logo at the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
Very nice. Uh, with that first tip, I'll jump in here real quick. I agree with you. There is no replacement for the human interaction. We can't replace that. You can't. It's true. And do you have one final marketing tip for us? Sure. I'm going to put on my lawyer hat. It's very <laughs> tight and irritating. It, it's actually a, a wig with all the white curls, like from the old days, right? Black robe. Parliament so style. My lawyer hat. <laughs> yeah. Parliament. Yeah. That's my lawyer hat. I'm going to put that on for just a moment because there is an area of law that crosses over into marketing. And it's an area where I get to really counsel people on because I see people naming their business and naming their products, these amazing, fantastic, clever names before doing a trademark search to make sure nobody's already using that name. They'll actually even pay for logos or pay, you know, build websites. Sometimes they print business cards. And unfortunately, some it's my job sometimes to be that person that has to give them the bad news that they really shouldn't use that name. They need to change their business name and start over. So my marketing tip number three is before you name a business um, or a product, either one, you really need to do some due diligence and just run a trademark search. If you're going to be operating here in the United States, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, P the USPTO.gov uh, is the website. You can go there and they've got a database called the TESS database, T-E-S-S -S database. You type in your proposed business name or product name or tagline, and you can see if someone else has a registered trademark. Even if they don't, uh, that's first step. That's a good sign that nothing's there. Nothing pops up. You can then go and just run Google searches to see if anybody's using it without registering it, but just openly enough and geographically wide enough that it's they're going to have a claim against you and be able to stop you from using it if you start. So that's my marketing tip number three. It's not a fun tip because it's, you know, the law, but it's an important one. Very nice. I appreciate that. Well, well, going back to that Parliament wig idea, so I'm bald, and I've actually been considering getting a wig of that style since nobody else is doing it. They say fashion repeats itself. I wonder if I could pull that off. Hey, you know, you could start a trend, and the next thing you know, it's going to be on, like, every celebrity. So I, <laughs> I don't know where you'd find one. I'm sure they're still available, but... Um, probably more of a costume store, but they're, they're good looking hair. I mean, if you see those photos, uh, those attorneys looked very stately and, uh, I think, uh, an air of command, I think you should do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm in an unusually playful mood today. So I appreciate you playing along. Yeah. But with flip flops and a t-shirt, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your podcast for a minute. I'm going to give you a chance to tell us what it's all about. Sure. It's the Lifestyle Solopreneur Podcast. I interview people who have accomplished the goal of working part-time, which I define as roughly 25 hours a week or less. It can be an average. So maybe they work really hard for three months and then go to Ibiza for three months and do nothing. So just an average. And uh, they have to make roughly uh, after taxes about 70,000, 75,000 US dollars because there've been studies done that that's the amount of money you need to just have all of your needs met and be a happy person. So I sort of set that as a criteria, which comes out to about six figures uh, pre-tax and gross income per year, part-time work. And they come on and it's been, I mean, I had um, one person I've interviewed, she designs and puts t-shirts up on Amazon 
on Amazon. Uh, Merch by Amazon is the name of their print-on-demand service. So all you do is upload your T-shirt design. It could be a slogan that you made up, maybe some artwork of yours, maybe you know just a funny phrase like "You had me at tacos," and she just puts that up and. Amazon takes the order, Amazon prints the shirt, Amazon ships the shirt. All she gets is a royalty check for about $7 per shirt. And she's built an empire just uploading a t-shirt design a day or, you know, a few more a day as she grew the business. Another person is a real estate investor. He buys foreclosed properties at foreclosure sales and rehabs them and then resells them to investors who want to be a hands-off landlord and that's the business he built, and that's how he helps other people uh, invest in turnkey rentals where you don't do much as a landlord. It's all property managed. So, I mean, those are very diverse guests, but they both meet the criteria, and every single guest that comes on, I just learned something new. So it's a lot of fun, and um, I'd be happy to have you on the show one day and uh, you know, have you be a guest because I think you'd be a phenomenal guest. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. Do you like being the host or is it kind of fun being on the other side of the mic, so to speak, once in a while too? It's great being on the other side, uh, which is why I encourage you to come on my show. It really is fun to be on both sides. I love interviewing people and I love just chatting with with a host like you, a great host. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, you've got all kinds of cool stuff that you've done and you're doing now. What's next for you? What are you working on in the next six months or so? So I'm going to be really building out my do-it-yourself landlording class. It's an online academy. People take it now, but I'm going to build it out so that I can promote it more in live streams. I haven't done a lot of Facebook Lives, YouTube Live, and uh, I think that's going to be a great way to teach more people and reach a greater audience because my class is California-specific, so it's for California do-it-yourself landlords, and I've reached a pretty big variety of people through social media advertising, which is like pay-per-click, like through Facebook and uh, through Google as well. But I haven't taken advantage of the way that YouTube and Facebook right now are really pushing out and promoting for you anytime that you go live in a public way. So I'm going to start doing that and see what happens. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Facebook Live. So my wife and I are just in the process of getting out of uh, another income stream, which was LuLaRoe. I don't know if you've heard of the women's clothing, but we'll be probably out of it by the time this airs. But anyway, I got the opportunity to, I don't even know, 75 live sales or something like that. So I got a lot of time in front of Facebook Live and got to see how it works. And you know how Facebook is. They let you enjoy stuff for free for a while, then they make everything pay to play. So it's definitely the, the right time to get involved with lives. And are you a Mac user by any chance? I am a Mac user all the way. (laughs) Okay. The reason I ask that is because um, they never had Facebook Live available for a Mac uh, laptop. So you can do it from the iPhone and from the iPad forever. But here lately, I keep seeing it appear and disappear and appear and disappear. But as of this morning or as of today, the option was there again. So uh, being able to do it straight from your laptop is great. And uh, you really have an opportunity if people get on there and share them and you can get a pretty big audience that's... Uh, you know, interactive with you. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Facebook Live, a lot of fun. So I think you'll do great with it. What's your top tip for someone who's going to jump into either Facebook Live or I'm, I also want to do YouTube Live because uh, with my subject 
matter, which is landlording and real estate investing, I think YouTube is going to be a really good search engine as well. Absolutely. Well, my number one tip is going to be don't be a boring person, which you're not. So you got that covered. But lighting and sound. So sound, we we tried, you know, some different cameras and stuff. And actually the the stock stuff from Apple, the iPad Air is what I use usually. But um, sounds not too hard, but lighting is the big, the big thing you really got to test out because with the clothing we were selling, stuff would be blue and it would look gray or it would look brown. It would be really off. So it was a really big deal there. So we actually had to get an external lighting kit and kind of learn to play with that. But just really pay attention to lighting. If your lighting's good, your sound's decent and you're, you know, you, you're enjoyable. It'll be a really good experience. Uh, I've seen some lives that just had horrendous lighting that you just you couldn't watch you're going to lose your audience really fast so i would say lighting is oh, a bigger wow. deal than you think great tips all of that thank you i'll i'll be sure to keep all of that in mind thank you no problem so if somebody listening would love to reach out to you flavia what's the best way for them to do so well i'm going to give them some choices because it really depends on their interest areas but if they're into real estate investing and happen to have some investment properties in california take my landlord prep Dot com course. It's at landlordprep.com. Um, think of it as a prep school, a prep academy for landlords. And if you're into dance, entertainment, like let's say you're someone who loves to take Zumba, come check out my Pom Pom Fitness. It is at procheerlife.com, procheerlife.com. You can check that out. And if you just want to listen to more great podcasts, like Jason, your podcast is amazing, and you want to add some more to your subscribe list, come check out Lifestyle Solopreneur. I'd love to have you as a listener. Awesome. And we will get all that in our show notes for the listeners as well. So very good. Well, I want to thank you for your time and your engagement today, and I really enjoyed having you on. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. No problem. See you next time. All right. We are back. Lavia, thank you for your time. I appreciate your input on this episode. Very, very good stuff. And if anybody's interested in checking out the show notes for this episode, simply go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 105. See the show notes, see Flavia's information and that kind of thing. And finally, I will tell you guys, I really want to challenge you to think about um, your side hustle. And if you have one now, think about how you can get more out of it without putting in more hours. One secret there is raise your prices. Everybody wants to um, you know, have a, a cheaper price approach, but I promise you I'm doing some experimenting with that personally now. And um, people like expensive food, people like expensive cars, people like expensive products and services. There's some kind of a psychology associated with um, exclusivity, higher value, more desire. There, there's something there that works because I'm telling you, I've raised my prices a lot and I'm working less hours and making more money. And that's that's the way you got to do it. That's the way you got to get to that point. So think about that. Um, if you guys have not checked out my book, you should check it out. It's called The Backwards Route to Forward Progress. It is available on Amazon. You can check that out at thebackwardsroutebook.com and uh, see what you think. But if you like mindset stuff, you like um, real stories mixed with, you know, some great experiences, great perspectives, new perspectives you've probably never heard of or thought about before, uh, it's at least worth checking out. So again, that's the backwardsroutebook.com. Guys, as always, I appreciate your ear. We will catch up with you soon. Normally, I would tell you next week, but with these uh, 
mini episodes coming out now. It could be tomorrow. I have no idea what I'm going to do with that yet, but uh, talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.